You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the November 2015 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be uh, our host today. We're going to jump into the topic of leadership, of course. It's a leadership podcast, why it matters and how to grow. But before we do that, I want to make sure all of our listeners know about something we're really super pumped about, Perry. I know you are. You've written a a book called The Most Excellent Way to Lead. It's fantastic, guys. I've actually read it, Uh, but it's not releasing until March 1st of 2016. And to celebrate that, and also to just to pour more out, uh, more content even uh, than the book has, we're going to host a leadership conference. That's going to be awesome. It's going to blow your minds. March the 3rd, write this down, March the 3rd, 2016, that's a Thursday, it'll be hosted at our Anderson campus, uh, New Spring Church, and you can find all the information you need about that at perrynoble.com. In addition, Perry, this month, if you go to perrynoble.com slash giveaway, you can register to win two free tickets to that conference. Yes, and if you register and you don't win, we will be giving away participation trophies. Yeah, I I didn't mention this is called the Upward Leadership (laughs) conference oh yeah we should probably just say we'll edit that out later maybe not i don't know <laughs> but every people listen and know what that means we love upward basketball we do. they're doing great things for people they just get participation trophies they do they i don't even know if they keep score they don't think they keep score okay well we'll move on yes uh but today we're going to talk about uh leadership again get perrynoble.com get the information about the conference information about the giveaway and certainly be excited about, and you, I don't know when you can pre-order the book on Amazon. Now. You, know, you can do that now? Now. So let's go ahead. You can go ahead and pre-order Perry's book. All uh, proceeds go to Feed Starving Children. Yep. Mine. It is a fantastic book. It's a look at leadership like you haven't seen before, but I'm telling you, it is exceptional. Go ahead and get your copy reserved. Uh, with that, let's jump into today's topic. You know, Perry, we say this all the time. Everything rises and falls on leadership. We'll say, so goes the leader, so goes the team. Those phrases and many others like them are something we hear all the time. Leadership is talked about a lot, both in church world and in the marketplace. All you have to do is go to like Inc.com or Google the word leadership or check out TED Talks or go to a bookstore. And it's obvious that leadership has been shown and proven to be a really, really important thing. So on today's podcast, today's leadership podcast, we're going to talk about the obvious leadership. So let's just jump right in with the Maybe a simple question, but it's an important one, is this. What's your definition of leadership? Well, my definition, Shane, of leadership is ripped off from whom I would consider to be one of the most, um, just the expert on leadership, John Maxwell. And, and Maxwell says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And if you look at, um, it, you can look at church world. <clears throat> I know um, people that are Presbyterian, people that are Baptist, people that are Pentecostal, people that are Reformed, people that are not Reformed, um, and they all—it has nothing to do with theology. It has to do with their level of influence. If you look in the political landscape, um, I know Democrats that are leaders. I know Republicans that are leaders. I know, like, one or two Libertarians that are actually leaders. The rest are all high. Um, But I know—you can just see it's not the political party that leads. It's it's influence. Um, Going back and looking, if you're a Republican— um, you probably did not vote for Bill Clinton, but the man had the ability to walk into a room and command presence. Um, same way with George W. Bush. If you're if you're a Democrat, you probably didn't like him, but um, man, he sure did have influence on 9/11. I mean, he he took charge and he took over, and so leadership is 
influence, period. That's good. That was well, a long answer for just, No, that's a great, I think yeah. that that's good. Well, how can someone know that they're a leader or that they have influence? Well, leaders, um, if someone has to tell you they're a leader, they're not. For, for example, um, LeBron James does not have to tell you he's talented at playing basketball. You simply put a basketball in his hands and you step back and you watch him. And so um, the, the whole thing with how do you know you're a leader is very simple. Do you have influence? Because if you're a leader, you will have influence. And if you don't have influence, um, you, you're a leader in position only, and that leadership won't have um, long-term effect. And, of course, influence can be good influence or bad influence. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I would say Hitler had influence, yep. but that's, um, it's, it can be good or bad. Stalin had influence. But it, it wasn't great influence. And, and a lot of their influence was because of uh, fear or insecurity. Um, and those are th- some things that lead to influence. But ultimately, um, yeah, leadership is, is definitely influence, whether that's good or bad. Um, would you say that leaders are born or made? I say everybody's born. That's, what, that's, a, <laughs> that's a trick question. Um, I think both. I think so... If you're looking at the spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 8 clearly says that there is a spiritual gift of leadership. So within the context of the church, people have the spiritual gift of leadership. I also think there's an ability to lead because I know some leaders that aren't necessarily what I would call spiritually gifted, but they're influential, you know. So I think the church wins when you have somebody um, with the ability to lead. They meet Christ and the spiritual supernatural ability is given to their natural ability. And so I believe as a follower of Jesus, we really do have greater capacity to lead. Now, I, I know that might sound weird to a non-Christian, and I don't, I don't want to be offensive. I'm just telling—and I'm not just talking to pastors. I'm talking about—to to Christian entrepreneurs. I'm talking about Christian um, men and women that are in the, the marketplace. When you combine the ability that God's given you— with the spiritual gift that's imparted to you upon salvation, your ability to lead goes to the next level. So whether it's born or made, yes, they are born and made. You can always become better at what you do. Um, but I believe true ability is given um, at birth. We are all given different abilities, and the spiritual gifting is give, given at the moment of salvation. And when the ability and the spiritual gifting hold hands, it's unreal what can happen. That's really great. Um, obviously, the Bible speaks about leadership in regards to gifting, but I'm curious, um, does the Bible speak to the importance of leadership? Yeah, I think the Bible does speak to the importance of leadership. Once again, Romans 12, 8, specifically mentioning it. But I want to I address something here, and it's something I've, I've seen and I've heard in church culture for far too long, and it's... Um, so it's like, well, leadership's not about a person. Leadership's not about a person. Leadership's not about a person. Well, I, I think it is. I don't think it's all about a person. I mean, a person's got to have a great team. But the dominant person in the first five books of the Bible, the guy that wrote the first five books of the Bible, the guy that led the nation of Israel out of Israel, into, I mean, to the border of the—I mean, out of Egypt to the borders of the Promised Land, his name was? Moses. Moses. The very next book of the Bible— Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. What's the next book? Judges. Wrong. Gotcha. Think about it. Deuteronomy. Joshua. Yeah! 
Uh, you just messing with people. I know you know I that. Know. Joshua, so it's not, don't get this. I, and I, I know this isn't popular in culture today. It's not Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, a great team of people. Mm. Joshua. Yeah, that's good. Joshua was the leader. It landed on his shoulders. After Joshua, you got judges. But we don't know the judges by that was a judge. We know the judges by their names. Mm-hmm. There was Gideon. There was Samson who got the haircut from hell. Um, there, I mean, there was, all, there was Deborah. There was all these judges, and we knew their name. In the New Testament, we know several names of leaders. Peter had a ministry to the Gentiles. Paul had a, I mean, Peter had a ministry to the Jews. Paul had a ministry to the Gentiles. In the Old Testament, book of Nehemiah. Ne- I mean, leadership is so important in the Scriptures. In fact, just a casual read through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, show you, so goes the leader, so goes the country. So goes the leader, so goes the country. And so, man, as I read those books in particular, I'm always challenged um, in regards to my personal leadership journey and how, as a leader, there's no such thing as personal because everything you do affects everyone you know. That's really good. Well, let's talk about, you, you mentioned lots of names. Some of those had really great stories. If you go through the book of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you've got lots of kings, some good, some bad, all named, and it affected people. What's the difference maker between uh, a leader when things go well for everybody touches and things don't go so well for everybody who follows? I think, you know, just looking at Scripture, looking at corporate America, I see leaders that truly care about people, not hardline results, not dollars, not attendance, but genuinely, honestly care about people. Those are the difference makers. Those are the ones that see great things happen. Um, I, I just, I've tried to trace it back to philosophies and ideas and um, books and charts, and it, it comes down to the ability for a leader and his or her team to, to care about people. How can a leader grow in their capacity to lead? You know, I love this question. I'm 44 years old, and I'm hungrier to grow right now than I've ever been in my life. And so I have a philosophy, and this is recent. I haven't even spoken to you about this, so it's kind of interesting. We're having this conversation live. Well, actually, it's on podcast. Um, it's live on. right now. Well, I just burped. Anyway, sorry. We won't edit that out. I believe that a lot of times as leaders, we read new leadership books. We're always like, what else are you reading? What else are you reading? What else are you reading? And this is this is sort of hypocritical about me because I'm coming out with a leadership book. But I believe many times we read leadership books to keep us from doing what we already know. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, I want to go learn something else. I want to go learn something else. Well, if you'll sit down with next generation leader and good to great... That's pretty much all you need. Oh, and, and the Bible for that one person that was going to email in. Um, but if you, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's so many leadership concepts and leadership principles, but as leaders, we've allowed our playbook to get so thick that we're always looking for the next greatest thing. And I just, I'm, I'm at the place where I believe we just got to do what we know better than we've ever done it before. And so that's kind of like where, where I am right now. Now, saying all that, that, that begins for everybody in April because my book releases in March. There so you, you don't know what I'm about to share in, in March. But um, I just think, now, 
on the flip side, the other thing I think we can do to grow, and this is something cool, is I love to read books by leaders who actually had to fight through a certain situation. Like for example, for example, one of my favorite books ever, and it doesn't get a, it didn't get mentioned a lot, is a uh, uh, Who Says Elephants Can't Dance by Lewis Lewis Gershner. He turned IBM around. IBM was crashing. And it's a story of this the decisions that he made. Now, I love it. It's not written by a philosopher. It's not written by a researcher. It's written by a guy who got in and turned it around. I'm reading a book right now. I just started it yesterday. It's called um, Decision Points, I think it is. It's by George W. Bush. And it's about all the major decisions he had to make as a president and how he made that decision and looking back, how it impacted him and how it impacted the nation. And it's, fa- hey, listen, whether you love him or whether you hate him, it's a great read because the president of the United States has to make some major decisions. And it's just helping me to learn and grow as I read about um, W's, W's decision making. That's really good. You know, earlier you mentioned uh, that if we just do what we know, there's not this new thing necessarily. Right. Well, Hebrews 13, 8, everybody knows that verse, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, we often miss where it sits. It sits after Hebrews 13, 7, which says, basically, remember your leaders. Yep. Uh, and then it says, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I think what that's saying to leaders is the rules and the obligations and the requirements for great leadership, God, what God expects in leaders is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So true. And you can look at the person of Jesus and know exactly how to lead uh, it's not a new way to do it. It may be a new way to get to how to do it. It may be a new insight, but there's nothing new under the sun, right? Well, the, so, you know, if you want to go to the Gospels, Jesus, there's so many leadership principles that he just models for us. For example, um, Jesus didn't, and I, I, I don't want this to be offensive, but I want it to be direct. Jesus didn't ask unemployed people to join his cause. Think about it. Peter... James, John, they all had a job. They had responsibility. They were getting up every day and um, throwing a net into the sea, and they were fishing. Matthew was a tax collector. There's no indication that Jesus was a charity case. He looked for people that had responsibility. And then he didn't look for perfect people either. Like when he, when he called Matthew, Matthew was collecting taxes. And sometimes we over-spiritualize that text. He told Matthew, follow me. He didn't say stop collecting taxes. We don't know. Maybe Matthew went back to work the next day. Maybe Matthew worked another week. We don't know. What we do know, we don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We just know when he started following Jesus. And eventually he gave up tax collector and became apostle. But it was as he was developed and developed. And I love after, after Matthew chapter 9, and I won't go into this, You can um, mainly because I don't have a Bible in front of me, but you can read this on your own. Um, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus calls Matthew to be an apostle or a follower. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus basically lays out the guardrails for leadership for what he expects from his apostles, from his followers, from leaders, and it's intense. And so I love the fact that Matthew includes his calling in Matthew 9 and, and shows in Matthew 10, this is how Jesus is challenging me to be a leader. There's, I mean, there's just example so after good. example after example of, of just, that's why he was perfect. He was well, perfect. he was yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Thank the Lord. How would you have loved to have been James' brother? God. 
why can't you make grades like Jesus? Yeah, exactly. Why'd you fail the test? I would have ran away. Uh, how important is it for a leader to understand his or her strengths? Essential. 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 Because there's things that I'm good at, and there's things I'm not good at. And so, and once again, he said it way better than I have. If you've never read Next Generation Leader by Andy Stanley, you got to pick it up. you got to read it. Andy's not paying me to endorse this. I'm, I'm doing it because it's a great book. But... And so everything I'm about to say, I got it from that book. But Andy kind of destroyed the myth of being well-rounded. And he used, um, at the time, I think it was uh, Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox were great pitchers for the Atlanta Braves back when the Atlanta Braves had a great team. Mm -hmm. And um, they were known for their pitching. Now, in the National League, the only league that really counts, in the National League, they've got the man rule where the pitcher has to hit. In the American League, they have the not man rule where the the pitcher gets a designated hitter. And so it's kind of like, whatever. Okay. Ricky's a Yankees fan and he's, yeah, but you know, Ricky, if your pitchers had to hit, I think they wouldn't have that many times. Anyway. Um, did you notice what was that dude that used to pay for play for the, um, Red Sox? He threw at everybody. What was his name? Come on. Somebody help me. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro Martinez. Yeah. You notice when he came to the national league, he stopped throwing at people. Yeah. Long time ago. I'm just saying, <laughs> Different, but anyway, so if somebody would have came to Greg Maddox or, or, or if, who's a famous pitcher today? I don't even know. I, mean, I don't even know. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, that guy. And they said, hey, you need to, you're a great pitcher, but man, your hitting is not good. And we really need for you to work on your hitting. So if he became, if he stopped working on his pitching and he started working on his hitting, there's a word that describes him, unemployed. Yep. He would get fired because he tried to be a well-rounded baseball player rather than focusing on his strength and letting the team pick up where he's – because you know what? There's hitters on that team that can go yard anytime they want to. All he needs to do is focus on pitching the ball. So, for example, when it comes to casting vision, that's a strong point of mine. When it comes to making sure the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed, I'm not always the best guy. I'm not always the best guy. And so I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. What, what I'm good at, I can develop. What I'm not so good at, I can delegate. That's good. Uh, is there anything that a leader can't delegate or can't afford to be weak in? Vision and culture are the two things that a leader cannot abdicate to someone else. Talk about that some more. Why are those two things not delegatable? So vision is where the the church or the company is heading. And if you got more than one vision, you have division. Um and and so you, you can't you you can't have one staff member in a company or an organization say we're we're doing X and one staff member saying we're doing Y and another staff member saying we're doing Z. Um because you can't do all three things well. You got to have a focused vision championed by a leader and the team members come around and support that focused vision. And if they can't support the focused vision, then they they simply step off the team or They're in the wrong or, place. Yeah, or just do something else. Doesn't make them a bad person. It just says this isn't this isn't the place for me. And so that and then culture. A leader can't delegate culture because eventually culture culture many times is the overflow of who we are naturally. Mm -hmm. And so you can't fake that. And if there's something in your culture that you don't like, you just have to take some time to figure out what it is, develop it, and then either mature it or 
push it out because culture ultimately is the leadership leader's responsibility. I, in in college football, how long is it, Shane? And you're a football fan. How long is it before a coach can stop blaming the previous coach? Is it three years? Is well, it three years? College football, you know, they'll say recruiting classes. They got to get their class in, so at least two or three years. Two, yeah. So, so if there's a college football coach out there, and there's not today that's blaming the previous coach, you know, and that guy left seven years ago. Um, hey, this is just to being very, very pointed. This was one of my criticisms of the Obama campaign. Five years in, he was still blaming Bush, and I'm like, you don't, you don't get to do that. That's not a democratic statement. That is an accurate statement. It's you can't blame the guy or the girl before you. I always tell pastors and church planners, if you've been involved in the church for five years and you hate it, every problem that you have in your church is your problem. You cannot blame it on the predecessor. You've had five years to fix the problem. If the problem is not fixed, it's not their fault. It's your fault. That's good. Well, let me ask you this. What are some things you do personally to amplify Sorry. <laughs> amplify the areas of leadership where you're strong so you, you're able to spend more focused attention on that and then compensate uh, for the areas where you're not? So how, how do you make sure you're doing what you need to be doing and delegating what you don't? The two words. Two words for that question. Two words. Honest feedback. Feedback is one word, isn't it? I think feedback. so. God, what did we do before spell check? Microsoft Word or knows the word. phone numbers. Yeah, Microsoft Word. I can be writing a Word document, and it knows the word I'm going to write. Yeah, that blows It's amazing. Mind. I love it. I wish it, I could just sit down and stare at the computer, and it would just type out my thoughts. Yeah. There's probably an It'll app for that. It'll happen when Yeah, there's probably an app for that. Um, God, what was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, amplify the areas of leadership where you're strong. Compensate. So... The areas where I'm strong, I just try to get around and learn as much as possible. So I want to I want to learn as much about great visionary leadership as as possible. So I read once again books by Lewis Gershner or whatever, um, and f- finding out where I'm weak, you know, I want to I want to get I want to get that off my plate. But it circles back around to that term, honest feedback. If a leader does not have honest feedback. He or she will not know where they are good and where they are bad, where they are excelling and where they are falling short. And there's too many leaders that have created environments where they cannot get honest feedback and they always become the emperor with no clothes. Now, at the end of the day, nobody wants to bring the leader bad news. And that staff member probably needs to get fired, the one that always wants to bring bad news. But... Honest feedback is the only way you can get better at what you do and delegate what you don't do so well. Uh, what are some ways you make sure you get honest feedback? Uh, asking, I call it the, the no BS rule, and BS stands for what you think. I know, is this a Christian podcast? I don't know. I mean, no, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so, but some it's, days. It's, yeah. <laughs> the no BS rule. You just can't BS me. I'm going to call BS, and you can see it on somebody's face when they're when they're doing it. You can kind of read the temperature of the room. And Bill Hybels has a, a phrase. He said, if something smells funky, then something's funky. You got to stop. Oh, by the way, what's the book he wrote? It was real good. Bill Hybels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's written, he, every time he sneezes, he writes a book. But Courageous um, Leadership? Yeah, Courageous Leadership was good, but that, Axioms. Axioms. axioms yeah. Oh, my gosh. Axioms. Okay, there's mostly dudes listening to this podcast, so let me just be real honest. Guys, lean in. Axioms is a great bathroom read. 
You know what I'm saying? It's true. Most guys take their phones to the bathroom and don't don't turn your nose up like you don't because you do. And um, it's but, like leadership devos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Axioms. If you've never read axioms, I feel like I am a book promoter today. Yeah, I promoted are. everybody's but mine. Um, we did that a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, we did a little bit. But but <laughs> axioms is and he caught he has an axiom in there about if something smells funky, then it's funky. And so I'm just saying you got to be able to call people in the room that can, or you got to be able to walk into a room where people are going to give you, and you got to continually invite it. That's another thing. I can't say one time, tell me the truth, and it always exists. I've got to push and push and push. What else do you want to say? What else what do you want to say? Because it's not the 90% that they're telling me. It's the 10% that they're not telling me that's going to make the difference. That's good. You do a good job of that. And you also, um, you, uh, when a leader asks for, honest feedback when they get it they have to receive it well yeah that's another so thing if you get it and you're like well i don't like that you're wrong then all of a sudden nobody's going to share it anymore you do a good job of receiving it and actually soaking it in and acting on it as opposed to telling everybody they're wrong well if you fight honest feedback eventually nobody will be honest with you right so and, and this was hard for me when i first started realizing people would share feedback with me and i would tell them why they were wrong i would just argue with them so eventually it got to where nobody wanted to tell me the truth because all I would do was argue with them. So over time, I realized when somebody is sharing with me, shut up, take it in, walk away, pray about it. Think If I need clarification, ask questions for clarification, and then take it back another time. Unless something's on fire, it probably doesn't need to be handled immediately. Well, that's good. Uh, last question for this episode. Uh, I know we got lots of people listening, marketplace leaders, uh, church leaders. We've talked a, a lot of things about what good leadership is, but I want you to, to give you a second just to, to answer the question, why is excellent leadership so important in the church? Everything that God gave us was his absolute best. I mean, as we look at um, the totality of scriptures, God never offered us second best. He gave us an excellent book. He gave us um, an ex excellent promises. He gave us an excellent Savior who died an excellent death, who provided for us an excellent resurrection, even folded up burial cloth. Um, he's preparing an excellent place. He's going to provide for us an excellent return. Don't know when. If the Cubs win the series, that's probably it. That's that's probably the this year. that's probably the the sign of the apocalypse right there. I mean, I'm not one of the end of the world guys, but if the Cubs win the series, Get probably, ready. we're probably gone. Um, you could probably trace back that back to the, some random verse about a bear and Ezekiel, you know, how end times prophets. Anyway, the Jesus never did anything that was non-excellent. He never halfway healed people. He, he did it all the way. And so how in the world, and I, I remember hearing this one time and it just rocked me, how in the world can we stand in the shadow of a bloodstained cross and offer God anything less than our very best? That's a great question. Malachi chapter 1. Most preachers know Malachi chapter 3 because it's um, the tithing passage. But Malachi chapter 1, God is going off on the leaders, not the people. In fact, and Shane, you and I had this discussion the other day. In the Old Testament, God very rarely rebuked the people. Always the shepherds. He always rebuked mm -hmm. the leaders, the shepherds, right? And so um, Malachi chapter 1, he's telling the priest, I wish you would shut the doors. And I'm like, whoa. I remember reading that going, 
God, you wish they would shut the doors of the temple? You know, that's a big deal. Why? Because you're bringing blind, lame, diseased animals into my house. God said, I didn't die. I, I did, I did. God is essentially saying to us today, I did not send my son for your leftovers. I sent my son for your very best. So as Christian leaders, I think we're called to do leadership better than IBM, Disney, Apple, Microsoft, whatever other Fortune 500 company you want to put in there. Because listen, in 100 years, all of those Fortune 500 companies will be gone. The church will still be here. It'll still matter. And what we do is going to leave a legacy. So if we're going to do it, we might as well do it right, and we might as well do it well. Man, amen to that. What a great way to end uh, this edition of the Perry Noble Leader Leadership Podcast, and we'll see you guys next month.